Well, I've been thinking a lot about the word faithfulness lately. I think it's something that started in earnest back in April as I read back over my journal uh, is where the, the sort of the headwaters of, of this sermon series were. But faithfulness, it occurs to me, is one of those things that we can hold dear even in this time where our normal agency is restricted, where there is the feeling of chafing at all of the things that we're being told we cannot do. The question that has come into my mind, well, what is it then, therefore, that we can do? And I think we can choose faithfulness. And so I, I began kind of getting this sense as I was reading Psalms 9 through 17, and I, that's part of my normal daily practice is I just read the Psalms and, and pray the Psalms. And a friend of mine who's a, a colleague in ministry in another church had kind of called my attention to the ninth Psalm, and that piqued my interest. But all of those Psalms, Psalms 9 through 17, are Psalms about faithfulness, choosing faithfulness, if you will, at a time where it doesn't seem that God is being very faithful to the psalmist. A time where God feels a little silent, a time where wondering if God is asleep or are somehow indifferent to us. And they became for me prayers that seemed very appropriate to this time. And so I'd like to take these weeks, literally 11 weeks, to not just look at Psalms 9 through 17, but look at Psalms 8 through 18 and also the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, and explore what does it mean to choose faithfulness in, in these days. We've got those nine prayers, Psalms uh, 9 through 17, that I just mentioned. But they're also bookended by these other two Psalms, Psalm 8 and Psalm 18. They're bookended by what the foundation of faithfulness is. And I realize this is all very nerdy, and, and I may be uh, completely projecting something into these psalms. I don't know, but it seems like to me Psalms 8 through 18 are a kind of book and a study in faithfulness, a depiction of, of what it means to be faithful, because they're bookended, Psalms 8 and 18, are really depictions of God's love. On the one hand, God's creation of us, that supreme act of love of just making us, which Psalm 8 speaks about, and then God's redemption of us to literally pull us up out of the pit that we've dug for ourselves and to set our feet in the, the broad and open space. But in blending these psalms together with the Sermon on the Mount, we have a description of the, what the journey with Jesus looks like in addition to these prayers to pray along the way while we're on that journey. It's a, a description of the fact that our faith is, is not something that is internal or only ponderable in our minds or only held in our hearts, but that faith is really, as Bruce Larson used to say, a verb. It is not just a static compendium of tenants that we stow away somewhere, faith is actually faithfulness. It is acting on something. Bruce Larson finished that out with not just faith as a verb, but truth as a person. 
In other words, truth is not just an idea that we give voice to or give assent to. Truth is a living relationship with Jesus Christ who called himself the truth. And then the last thing that Bruce used to say was love is an act. It's not a feeling. It's not just an awareness. It's, it's actually an action toward another. And that's what faithfulness is. It is the outworking of a, of a relationship, whether with one another or with God. And so today we're going to look at the foundation of faithfulness in God's creation of us. It's kind of a depiction in Psalm 8 of Augustine's great line from his confessions, you made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Psalm 8 speaks about our creation and the, the effects of our creation, namely, what does it look like to be in relationship with the God who made us and the creation in which he put us? So let's look at the eighth psalm. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You've given them dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Lord, help us to turn to you in gratitude this day for your gift of of life, for your creation of all things, for the way in which it inspires us to humble gratitude. Lord, direct our attention to what you have given and allow that by your spirit to foster in us a sense of who we are and what it means to live in faithful relationship with you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Above all else, faithfulness really is the depiction of what it means to be in covenant relationship with another being, whether that be God or another human being, because faithfulness is that choice to seek the other's best and to trust that the other is seeking your best and to stay in relationship with that one. And, and so... To think about faithfulness, it's not strange that I would also think about marriage. And so the first thing that occurred to me is Marianne and I just celebrated our 35th anniversary in July. And it got me thinking about uh, what, what brought us together and actually how we met. And I don't know whether I've told this story before, but at the time, Marianne had come across uh, 
Before I knew her, she had come across these uh, recordings by uh, Richard Rohr, the, the Franciscan priest, monk, who, who has become quite a sensation now in, in spirituality circles and, and has written so much. But this was back 35 years ago, 36 years ago, that we ran across these recordings of talks that he had given at a Catholic charismatic conference in Los Angeles. And it was called Created to Relate. And Marianne had these tapes, and I was pastoring in my first church down in, in Ventura, California. I was pastoring, and one of my jobs was uh, responsibility for the singles group at this particular church. And one of Marianne's friends who was participating in the group came and said, we ought to listen to these tapes. They're great. They're by this guy named Richard Rohr. He's no relation to me, by the way, and he doesn't have the extra ER at the end of the, end of the name, but uh, I've been asked that before, but no relation. So the irony is, is that Marianne and I met in the context of listening to tapes by Richard Rohr. When we heard him speak on Bainbridge Island uh, a few years back, we let him know that he was the reason that we had, uh, we had gotten to, <laughs> together. But as he went through these four talks called Created to Relate, there were some really memorable things about those, those tapes, that, those recordings that have just stuck with me over the years. And they were a, a great introduction to kind of foundational principles for our relationship, Marianne's and mine, with, with one another before we even knew that we were going to be in the place where we could deploy them in that way. But Rohr says in the first of these talks, he says, you know, Basically, the, the spiritual life is about asking two questions. It's about asking, who are you, Lord, and who am I? And those two questions are wrapped into Psalm 8 in, a, in an amazing way. Who are you, Lord, and who are we? They're questions that we keep asking throughout the spiritual journey and this walk of faithfulness, and we never get to the bottom of them. We never get to a definitive body of truth that is the sum total of, of the answer to that question, who are you, Lord, and, and who am I? We never settle into a static list of traits, but we're always facing into a mystery if we ask those questions. We're always being propelled on to ask something more about who the other is or who, who God is. And Rohr made the offhanded comment as he talked about both spirituality and covenant relationship in marriage at the same time. He made the offhanded comment that if ever in any relationship we settle into that place where we think we know everything there is to know or exactly how the other is going to respond, then we've effectively stopped relating. We've reduced that person to our projections or that God to our projections of who that person or who God is. And we've stopped looking at the other with a sense of who are you? And who am I in relationship with you? Psalm 8 is a psalm that asks these two questions. Who are you, Lord? And who are we as human beings? Who are you, Lord? You and your majesty, you made us. You know, who are you? What are you? <laughs> How, what is it that, that, that can tell us about the, this greatness that, that you are? And, and who am I? Who are we that, that you are even mindful of us? 
Who are we that you care for us and that you entrust creation to our care? And that's what Psalm 8 says is that God has made us a little lower than himself and entrusted us with dominion for the earth in which he has put us. It's an inkling of what faithfulness is all about in terms of responding to what God has done. It's about dominion and stewardship. It's about living into an identity that we can't possibly fully grasp and can spend our entire lives trying to understand. It's the truth that God made us for himself and put us in special relationship with all of creation, with the ability to act in a godlike way in the creation in terms of dominion, and therefore the ability to abuse that as well or work to destroy inadvertently or overtly creation. But it's also an opportunity to act in a godlike way as a steward. And rather than try to subdue and control and selfishly marshal these resources for our own gain, to receive them with gratitude and to make use of them in humility. Dominion and stewardship mean that we're entrusted with something. And faithfulness to relationship with our creator is to receive that trust with humble gratitude. To act in such a way that we ask the earth, as Wendell Berry says, what do you need? Instead of saying, what can I take? Asking the earth, what do you need? And Jesus says something very similar in the Sermon on the Mount, in the passage that Linda read for us a little bit earlier. When he calls us the salt of the earth and the light of the world, and then invites us to be who we are, to provide that sense of taste and preservative and salt, to shine as lights in ways that we were intended to shine. Beach your true self is essentially what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount. Be who I created you to be. Live faithfully into this identity. And those who are in relationship with God, those who are called to live in faithful relationship with all that God has given. Salt of the earth. Light of the world. Dominion. Stewardship. Both of the texts, Psalm 8 and Matthew 5, get us asking the question, how can this be? How can this greatest of all entrust us with such a great gift? How can this be? It gets us wondering. And wondering about this mystery, I think, is the primary fuel for faithfulness. It's what keeps us coming back to relationship, keeps us asking the question, who are you and who am I? Where are you and how can I be with you? Faithfulness isn't just knowing and following the rules. Sometimes I think we think of it in those terms. But it's about choosing to be in relationship with another and allowing mystery to be the fuel for that relationship. A friend of mine once said, she's also a Presbyterian minister, been retired for a number of years, but 
She said uh, that, that faithfulness in marriage isn't just about refusing to touch someone else's spouse. It isn't just about keeping your hands to yourself, in other words. It's also about touching your own spouse. Faithfulness is about diving into relationship with God and others fueled by wonder. And wonder keeps us asking those questions. Who are you? And who am I in relationship with you? My vacation was largely about reading. Wherever I was this summer, I was reading and I read, I reread two novels by Northwest novelist uh, David James Duncan that he wrote and I read them shortly after we moved here 26 years ago. But the, the novels are The River Y and The Brothers K and they're, they're phenomenal novels. But I, I kind of didn't want to stop reading things by David James Duncan so I found another book of essays of his called God Laughs and Plays. And he talks about wonder in one of these essays and I want to read just one short paragraph that he says about wonder. He says, I believe it is wonder even more than fidelity that keeps marriages alive. I believe it is wonder more than courage that conquers the fear of death. I believe it is wonder, not dare bumper stickers that keep kids off drugs. I believe, speaking of old bumper stickers, that it is wonder even more than me that I want to hug my kids yet today because wonder can keep on hugging them long after I'm gone. Wonder is the fuel for faithfulness. As you know, if you've, if you've seen the email that I sent this weekend, Watanabe Sadao's print of the Jesus stilling the storm, or actually Jesus asleep in the boat with his disciples as they're crossing through that raging storm, is the, the image that I'm using for this sermon series because I think it's a great depiction of where we sit. We all sit together sort of crowded in the boat wondering what Jesus is up to and we're together on the journey and faithfulness is our choice in the midst of that but sometimes it feels like Jesus is asleep and we're wondering where he is. And I think this story in, in Matthew 8 of Jesus stilling the storm, you know, you could call this story the story of Jesus being asleep in the boat, too, because both realities were very much at play in the midst of that short text. But I think Matthew 8 in this way is a depiction of wonder. And it's two things that the disciples wonder about. Two questions that they ask in the course of these short verses. They wonder, first of all, if he cares. Lord, don't you see that we're perishing? As he lies asleep there in the boat. And in the wake of the storm, after the stilling of the storm, they wonder why he cares. Who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. What are we, Lord? Who are we, Lord, that you were mindful of us? He is the Lord of creation, and he is the Lord of love. How can it be? How can it be that he is mindful of us? Well, the only way to get an answer to this question is to jump in and embark on the journey. 
The only way to get an answer to this question is to answer his invitation to follow. And we need to do so knowing that we'll never fully figure him out. But it's an adventure. It's a joy to know a bit more about him as we faithfully walk along the way on which he's invited us. Let's pray. Lord, help us to live into the freedom of being able to wonder and to ask you the questions that we wonder about and to walk with you as you show us not only yourself, but also who we are. So help us to live into our true selves, the ones you have created us to be. Teach us faithfulness. And so equip us with what we need to live the abundant life. For we pray in your name.